Hey, Foreclosure Fix family, and welcome to another episode of the Foreclosure Fix podcast, where our goal is to help one million homeowners successfully navigate foreclosure. Now, if that mission resonates with you, please do us a favor, like, subscribe, or share our podcast with someone who you know it can help. Better yet, give them a copy of our new book called The Foreclosure Fix, 12 Proven Steps to Beat the Bank, Escape Foreclosure, and Turn Your Property into a Profitable Asset. Y'all, our goal is to help one million homeowners successfully navigate foreclosure. Please, please, please join us in that mission. I'm your host today, DJ Alojo, and on today we are talking about all things subject to. And if you've never heard the term subject to, you're going to get a quick lesson on it today. That term subject to is a buzzword right now in the real estate community because many investors, many people who are out talking to homeowners facing foreclosure are are using that concept, are using that terminology, are using the tool, I would say, of subject to. And what subject to basically means in a nutshell is buying a loan subject to the current mortgage. So if you have a mortgage on your property and you're facing foreclosure, someone may come up to you and say, hey, I want to buy your house. But I don't want to buy your house in the traditional sense of paying off your mortgage and paying off your liens, but I want to buy it subject to the existing mortgage, which basically means that mortgage that is already on your house stays on your house. They pay to maybe reinstate the loan and bring the loan current. They give you a little bit of money and that loan continues down the road. So today I want to dive deep into does subject to make sense for your situation and why is it so popular in today's real estate environment? Now, if you've been following our content for any length of time, y'all know that our goal is not only just to help a million homeowners successfully navigate foreclosure, it's to help you as a homeowner, whether you're in foreclosure or not, make the best financial decision for your situation. And not even just the best financial decision for your situation, the best overall decision for your situation. And so today I really want to help you understand the different idiosyncrasies of what happens in a subject to transaction, but not only what happens in a subject to transaction, what makes sense for homeowners who are selling their homes. All right. So let's dive deep into a couple of different things. Before I talk about subject two in totality, I want to talk about mortgages in general. There are numerous type of mortgages out there. For the sake of our conversation today, there are really two mortgages that I want you to understand and consider. The first mortgage is an assumable mortgage, and the second mortgage is a non-assumable mortgage. Most mortgages in the United States are non-assumable, meaning that someone can't assume that mortgage. So when someone does assume a non-assumable mortgage, they are actually breaking the contract or in breach of the contract that they and the lender made, okay? Some mortgages are assumable, but even with assumable mortgages, there typically needs to be a conversation had between the mortgage servicer and the new party who will be assuming that mortgage. So that person or entity needs to inform the mortgage servicer that they are assuming that mortgage. And sometimes there's even a process where their credit may have to be checked. They have to be kind of validated to be able to assume that mortgage. You see that a lot also in commercial real estate where some mortgages are assumable, but the new borrower, quote unquote, needs to be almost underwritten by the bank. 
And so those are assumable mortgages. Most mortgages in America are not assumable, meaning that they contain what is called a due on sale clause. And a due on sale clause is basically a mortgage clause that provides a provision or requires the borrower to repay the lender in full if the property is sold or transferred in any way. And so that clause basically says, if you sell this house to somebody, if you even transfer title to somebody, that you need to pay me back all my money as the lender. And so that is what the do on sale clause is. Kind of sample language around a do on sale clause sounds something like this in the mortgage documents. If all or any part of the property or any interest in the property is sold or transferred, or if the borrower is not a natural person and a beneficial interest in borrower is sold or transferred without the lender's prior written consent, lender may require immediate payment in full of all sums secured by this security instrument. And so when you were signing your mortgage paperwork, you may not have read that clause. And it is probably buried in the hundreds of pages you were signing when you were buying your home. But that clause exists in most mortgage documents. And so when someone says, I want to buy your house subject to your mortgage, they are basically saying, yes, the due on sale clause may exist. And I'm not really worried about that. I still want to buy your house. Does that make sense for you as a borrower? Maybe. And let me give you some context or some insight as to why it may make sense. Oftentimes, when we think about a foreclosure situation or we think about selling our house, we think about it from the traditional sense of real estate. You want to buy something, you give me all the money, I give you the product, and we're done. But when you're facing foreclosure and you may not have equity in your property, but you have a good interest rate, or you may be underwater, on your property because you have so many liens or so many judgments and you just want to get out. You just want to be done. Sometimes investors may come and say, Hey, subject to is the way I want to do this deal. And you may not be informed about it. You may not know about it. And you may just say, I don't care. Like here, take the house. I was trying to give it back to the bank anyway. And so the reason why people may consider doing subject to are multifaceted. If you're a homeowner, you may consider subject to because that's the only way in which someone may buy your house because you have no equity, you have lots of liens or judgments, or your situation is very complex and convoluted and it requires a lot of different emotions, a lot of different attorneys, a lot of different resources that the timeline you have between your foreclosure date and when you are selling the property may not align to be able to have all those resources come together in a timely manner, or you may just not care. And that's the, that's the real truth. You just want to be out of your foreclosure situation. Maybe it's a property that you no longer live in and you moved on down the road and you don't even worry or care about that situation. Anymore. That's why you as a homeowner may want to consider subject to. Now, as an investor, the reason why investors want to utilize uh, this strategy is because when you purchase a property subject to, you are basically getting debt that could be at a significantly reduced interest rate. In today's environment, um, and we are recording this in 2024, the interest rate for an investment loan is hovering anywhere between 7.5% all the way up to maybe 12%, depending on the type of money that the investor is using. And so a 7.5% interest rate 
up to a 12% interest rate may be significantly higher than the three or four or five or 6% interest rates you currently have on your mortgage. And so if the investor can take over that mortgage and a favorable amortization schedule, which is basically the schedule of payments and of principal and interest that you make on your mortgage, then it's to their benefit to maybe buy your property subject to. And that allows them, one, not to maybe have to go through a loan process. Number two, it allows them to be in a situation where a property that wouldn't cash flow at a 7 to 12% interest rate actually cash flows now at a 5 4 3% interest rate, and they can hold the property in their investment portfolio for a significant amount of time. Another reason why an investor may say, I want to do a loan subject to, or I want to buy your property subject to your existing mortgage is because they may have to put significant amount of capital into the property. So the, the property may be dilapidated and they may say, I got to pay you $100,000 to buy the house. And then I got to put another $100,000 into the house, but I only have $100,000. And so they may say, well, I want to buy your house subject to. I'm going to pay the loan. I'm going to pay the $10,000 to reinstate your mortgage. I'm going to give you $5,000. And then I'm going to use the other $85,000 to put into the property to rehab it, to make it the best possible property I can make it and then sell it. And so basically they get a loan at a very low interest rate. They don't have to originate the loan. And for them, it is ideal because they are in the best position. The other benefit for the investor is that that is not their credit. It's not in their name. That loan doesn't sit on their books. And so they look a lot cleaner to bankers. They have less risk. And it's just the overall better deal for the investor. Now, where does that leave you as the homeowner? That is a great question. All right. And this is where it leaves you. It leaves you in a vulnerable state as a homeowner because of the fact that someone still has a mortgage in your name. They need to be able to pay it. What happens if that investor buys your house subject to when they don't pay that mortgage? Your credit's messed up. And you may say, hey, my credit's already jacked up, so it doesn't matter. And that is a valid point. Your credit may already be jacked up. But how about in five years when they've been making that payment for you over and over and over and over and your credit's gotten better and better and you moved on, you've gotten a better job, whatever foreclosure situation happened to you, you've moved past that event and you are living your best life your credit is still out there exposed. And so as a homeowner, you really need to weigh the pros and the cons. I'm not saying this is a bad strategy and I've actually utilized this strategy myself as an investor. So don't take what I'm saying as me saying this is a bad thing. Take what I'm saying as you need to be educated on the pros and the cons of using this strategy so that way you are not blindsided in the future. All right, and so for a homeowner, when does it make sense for you to utilize this strategy? Or when does it make sense for you to agree to utilize this strategy? One, if you have no other options. Number two, if you are comfortable with your credit being exposed and in the hands of another party. Number three, if the person who is buying your property or the company who is buying your property has significant amount of funds and they could pay off your mortgage if the lender did exercise the due on sale clause. Those are the three situations where I think it's appropriate to utilize this strategy if you are facing foreclosure. One, if you have no other options. Number two, if you are comfortable with your credit being in the hands of someone else. And number three, if the person or entity buying your property does have adequate capital to be able to pay off the loan, those are the three times I think it's appropriate 
for you as a homeowner to utilize this strategy or to work with an investor who utilizes this strategy. When is it not appropriate? Any other situation. If you have alternatives and you can get out of the property without your credit being exposed, I would say you should definitely look strongly at those possibilities. Just this week, I was working with a nice homeowner and she was not in foreclosure. This was a traditional sale. She reached out to us because she was interested in selling her property. And so some of you all may know that in my career, I am also a licensed realtor. I'm an investor, realtor, builder. I do a lot of different things in the real estate space. And in this scenario, she was reaching out because she was looking for an off-market cash offer on her property. And so she was not just talking to me. She was talking with numerous people, right? And when I came to sit down with her, we were talking about the value of her property. Her property was a nice home. It was in great condition. And the value of the property was anywhere in the range between $275,000 and $300,000. So this is a nice home in a nice suburban neighborhood. The home needed minimal repairs. And when I say minimal repairs, I'm talking about only cosmetic stuff. Maybe you wanted to paint the house when she moved out, but the roof was in great condition. The HVAC worked well. Um, the house was nice, you know, and Connie, who was an older person, um, is a grandma. And so it just felt like home. It felt like a grandma's house. It was warm. It was inviting and it was a beautiful home. And so I told Connie, I said, hey, Connie, check this out. You got three different ways you can sell this property. You can take an off-market offer from someone like me or another company who comes in here, and they're not going to offer you $275. They're probably going to offer you $235, $245, $250 maybe, because they have to go back and resell the property or rent the property out, and that's what they're going to give you. The next option I said is that, hey, you can put this property on the open market, and when you put it on the open market, you're going to sell it for anywhere between $275,000 and $300,000. Typically, when you sell in the open market, you're going to have to pay commissions. You're going to have to potentially pay closing costs for a buyer and things like that. And so your net will be smaller. And so I just broke out those kind of four different ways to sell your house that we always talk about on this podcast. And the last way I said, I said, hey, you can probably sell this off market to one of the different iBuyers or something like that and, and go down that road. And she was intrigued. She liked all those different options because she didn't really want a whole bunch of people kind of coming through her house, but she didn't want to take a discount on her property. And so I said, okay, Connie, then if you don't want to take a discount, your best options are going to be the investor or the iBuyer. And we had a great conversation and we left it at that. And so a few days later, Connie calls me and says, hey, DJ, I just got somebody who said they want to buy my house subject to the mortgage. And I said, Connie, we already talked about this. The subject to option is not for you. And let me tell you why. And this is the reason why the subject to option was not a good fit for Connie. It's because Connie had a mortgage that was only $85,000. That's all she had remaining on the mortgage. And the property was worth $275,000 to $300,000. So there is a huge spread there. Next, Connie was not in any financial distress. She paid her bills on time. She had good liquidity. She had great reserves. The property was in great condition. There was nothing harming her or her position on title. It's just that she was ready to move. And so it didn't make any type of sense for Connie to subject her credit, her future viability to the whims of someone else. And so I tell Connie, absolutely not. 
Subject two is not for you. That is not the way to go. And do not go down that road. It makes absolutely no sense. And for any investor to give you that as an option, they are just worried about their own interest. And so that's what I told her. And she was very, very pleased. And she understood that subject two was not for her. Now, again, Connie was not facing any distress. She didn't have a foreclosure looming over her head. She had liquidity. She was paying her bills on time. And so in her situation, subject two did not make sense. And if you are selling your house and someone is proposing subject two and it doesn't make sense for you, don't do it. That is the bottom line. Don't do it. You don't need to utilize this strategy. This is just one of many real estate strategies. And there's so many ways to sell your house without utilizing this strategy. Now, on the other hand, if you are facing foreclosure and you need help and there is no other way to sell your property, then you may have to consider utilizing this strategy because it can get you out of a pickle, right? And so I just really want you all to be fully aware of all the pros and cons of utilizing subject to in a real estate transaction. That is my goal today. And I hope my diatribe has been helpful about when the best way to use it, how to use it and why it is ideal and when it works, all right? And so subject to, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. All I'm saying is that you need to fully understand what it means for you as a homeowner if you decide to sell your house subject to. And just because it is popular right now and many investors and people are doing it, does that necessarily mean it is best for you? It's almost like cryptocurrency, right? Just because it's hot doesn't mean you need to jump in, right? You need to fully understand what is going on before you make a decision to go down that road. With that, that leads me to my favorite part of the podcast, which is our bow tie round. In this round, this is where you get to tie one on with your host, DJ Lojo. The B in bow tie round stands for your best advice for someone facing foreclosure. The O stands for one thing you are grateful for. And the W stands for your wildest or most interesting foreclosure related story. The B in bow tie round today, my best advice for someone facing foreclosure is understand all the ways in which you can sell your property. And by understanding all the ways in which you can sell your property, you can make the most informed decision for your situation. There are people out there who can help. And if you don't know, my book, The Foreclosure Fix, 12 Proven Steps to Beat the Bank, Escape Foreclosure, and Turn Your Property into a Profitable Asset is a treasure's trove of resources all around all the ways to sell your house when you're facing foreclosure or just to mitigate your foreclosure situation. All right. One thing I'm grateful for, I am grateful for those people who entrust me with their real estate transactions. Every week we are working with homeowners in some capacity on a real estate transaction, whether it is selling a house or it is buying a house. In some way, we are working with homeowners who trust us on the other side of the transaction. Trust us to be honest, trust us to be transparent, trust us to make sure we can get to the finish line and actually close the property. And so I'm just grateful that so many people trust us day in and day out, week in and week out, year after year to handle their real estate transactions or to be counterparties in transactions when we're buying their homes or selling them. And so I'm grateful to all those folks out there. My wildest or most interesting foreclosure related story this week uh, comes from a time we bought a house subject to. And this situation was an ideal scenario, in my opinion, to utilize this strategy. One, because the borrower was deceased. 
And so it did not matter if the credit of the borrower was ever messed up in the future. The only person that mattered to was God because they were probably in heaven and their credit did not <laughs> impact them anymore. And so we purchased the property from someone uh, from the ear of someone who had passed away. It was their mom's house. And unfortunately, because of the way in which they passed away and the timing, the mortgage was severely delinquent and it was facing foreclosure. And so the estate was probated. And because the timeline between the foreclosure sale and the day in which we communicated with the seller was very limited, it did not allow a lot of time for us to get an attorney to do a proper closing. And so we had to buy the property subject to the existing mortgage in order to stop the foreclosure, take possession and be able to move forward. And what we decided to do with that property is we renovated it quickly and we sold it within kind of 60 days because of the fact that we don't like having that subject to mortgage out there. Even though that person was deceased, it never would impact them. It just for us didn't fit our business model. And so we bought it, renovated it quickly and sold it. And it worked out for all parties because the state and the heirs were able to get money out the property. And it worked for us as an investment because we were able to help them in a very uh, fragile and, and difficult situation when emotions were high and they really just did not know what to do. And so the strategy definitely works. It just only works in the right scenarios. And you just need to know when those scenarios are, are beneficial to you as the homeowner. Y'all, that wraps another episode of the Foreclosure Tricks Podcast. If the mission to help a million homeowners resonates with you, do us a favor. Go ahead and smash that subscribe button and give us a review. It helps the algorithm. It helps all those folks who are searching for content on what to do when you're facing foreclosure. I appreciate y'all listening. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. God bless you. The views and opinions on this podcast are for informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice. If you have a specific legal question, we highly recommend you contact a qualified legal professional.